0: Just go to Indeed.com/slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network,
1: proudly presented by M Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory.
2: It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by M Bank, Member FDIC. Our partners impossible, absolutely wonderful, working with our friends at M Bank. Really appreciative of them. I'm also very appreciative of Matthew Lane.
3: How are you. you, buddy? You know, I'm just happy that you were able to get in here and make it. You were you were fighting. You you were struggling. You know, it it, it was a game time decision, but you made it. You're here. We're happy that you're here. And we're extremely happy to be joined by the one, the only Craig Stout, who is in fact great.
4: Oh, thank you for such a wonderful intro. You know how much I love that so much. We are in the start of the first set of doldrums of the NFL right here leading up to the draft. Obviously, after the draft, it gets really quiet there for a little while. But uh, yeah, kit buddy. We're glad you made it. It it was a little touch and go there right before. We weren't sure if we were going to make it, but uh, you're here and we're going to put on a great
2: show. We survived and yes, we are going to put on a great show. I'm very excited today. This has been, I don't know, I've energized, but this offseason has been energizing for me. I don't know why. I don't know exactly why. It's just something's different. Maybe it's just the fact that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and they're just, it's not playing with house money, but just you're enjoying the fruits and you know, you're enjoying the fruits of two straight great draft classes and you're excited to see how things are going to shape and all that stuff. Uh, we are kind of going to assess the roster as it sits today. Uh, we're about multiple positions. We're going to do this for a few weeks here. Just kind of, you know, well, if there's breaking news, we'll break it, but, uh, or we'll, we'll talk about it. But I think what we're going to kind of look at is just different positions um, where they're at, the state of the positions, uh, draft needs, yes or no, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and today we're going to start with the offensive tackles and the cornerbacks. And so we'll start with the offensive tackles. Matthew, the floor is yours.
3: Well, I mean, first we gotta we gotta tell the people how we are grading this this mm-hmm. current state of the of this roster and the position. So we're going to go through position by position, kind of the, and up until the draft, addressing where we think this roster is. Instead of doing a 1 to 10 scale or like colors or something weird and silly, nah, nah, we're, we're going to keep this very serious. We're going to keep it very structured. We're going to go with the cheeseburger scale. And for those of you, you're all fans of the Kansas City Chiefs. We're all fans of Big Red. We know the guy likes a good cheeseburger. So what better way to do this than kind of like local tied-in cheeseburgers to rate the Chiefs roster? So when we're looking at the offensive tackle room is where we're going to start. If we think it is elite, top of the line, we are going to go ahead and go with Andy's favorite, the Town Topic cheeseburger, right? <laughs> if we think it is below- good, like above average, so good, we are going to go with the Westport Flea Market cheeseburger. If- and let the record show that I believe the Westport Flea
2: Market burger to be better than the Town Let's Topic read- burger. Andy Reid, is are on Andy's rankings
4: Andy. here.
3: Yeah, yeah. right. Because like I would have taze Burger Shack number one if we were doing me, but yes, I mean we're not doing me. Mm-hmm. We're doing Andy. So we got Town Topic is for elite. We got the Westport Flea Market for above average. If it's just below average, but not terrible, we are going with Whataburger, okay? That's a, that's a Pat Mahomes brought it to y'all there in the Kansas City area. It's fine. Whataburger. And if it's absolutely garbage, bottom tier, wide receiver-esque, it's McDonald's, okay? That is the <laughs> Chad Johnson, please don't be listening to this. I'm sorry. I would Listen. love for you to treat me to some McDonald's, but it's going to be the bottom tier right now.
4: All right? B- so, McDonald's can take understand? the hit. They they can take the hit end being at the I bottom know. of the right here. I think they're not going to lose any sleep. Over that. I don't know, man. We we should have
2: cleared this with BJ just to make sure that we didn't have any burger sponsorships in the works. I'm like,
4: we're not going to be like ba da ba 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 like the week or two well, that was good. <laughs> really. you, you see the hard pivot into that being the number one burger. All the you'll same. know what happened. You'll know what happened.
3: Listen. We have well listen, we have, you know what, like eight or four shows? Five show five shows we're gonna be doing these positional rankings like this. Listen, if you're a burger company out there and you wanna get a shout out, you got five shows to get hit. That <laughs> okay. That's all I'm saying. You got five shows. We will very
2: we like and you would be surprised at how cheap we are. Uh <laughs> hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching this. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Uh we are gonna do the offensive tackles first, we'll do the cornerbacks after. Uh, but let's just kind of get into the offensive tackle discussion. Uh, again, Matthew, the floor is yours.
3: Okay, well, I think we can rule out the town topic burger right away. I don't think we think it's elite. Although, no, actually, no, I think this is actually a relatively fair question, I guess, because I think we feel really good about the interior three. I think we would say the interior three is going to be at that town topic level. It's going to be this elite level. It's hard to find a better interior three than Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith. I think there's a little bit of question with Jawan Taylor, but I still think overall, if you're just looking from left tackle to right guard, I still feel pretty confident giving that a town topic burger looking around the NFL. The question is what happens at right tackle. So having a Lucas D'Ang, an unknown, a Prince Tigo Winogo at right tackle, how far down the rankings does that drop us? I'm going to surprise people. I'm going Westport, Flea Market, Burger for the offensive tackle position. I think when you have plus players at four spots out of five, I'm okay with that. And especially when the fifth guy's a guy that's been around the room for a couple years now, there should be, I don't know about a ton of continuity because he hasn't played with them, but he knows the system. So I'm going with a solid fle- Westport flea market burger for this offensive tackle spot. I'm, oh man, it, this this one's tough for me because
4: Jawan Taylor I really like. I would super like it if he was playing a right tackle for this team because I feel like that's that's kind of his most natural comfortable spot. I do trust this organization to maximize him and get the most out of him at the left tackle position, but as it stands right now, you're switching a guy to play the blind side from a position that he's never played before. He's, he's moving over there. He's playing the blind side for Patrick Mahomes. Behind him, you've got Prince Tiuga Winogo right now, and then opposite him, you've got Lucas Niang, who hasn't been able to string together a healthy season. And then maybe Darian Kennard, who knows, who was transferred to guard before, but they drafted him last year with the intent of playing tackle. It looks like he's working really hard with Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith this offseason. Once again, one of Duke's guys. Always have faith in Duke's guys, but there's a lot of question mark for me in this group. I, I do like the assets that they've spent on it with Jawan Taylor. I might like it a little bit more if he was right tackle and they had another left tackle solution lined up there. Him moving to left tackle and being a question mark puts this one a solid Whataburger for me. I just think it, I, I have questions about the offensive tackle room specifically. Now, he's going to get a lot of help from the interior. He's got a lot of guys to lean on. Joe Tooney next to him feel really good about it. I'm with Maddie on that point. But if you're just looking at the offensive tackle position exclusively not necessarily how they're being implemented in kansas city next to those guys or you know kind of projecting them long term with the youth and all that because i agree with the process really do agree with the process but i think the overall talent quality puts it at a whataburger for me
2: i think it's a whataburger because that's the one that sounds the most like a question mark too. whataburger um I, I, I tend to agree with, I, I think, the, the logic that you think. Like, I think there's potential to be a Westport flea market. There's, you know, I don't know if there's potential to be a town topic. But I think, you know, there are building blocks in place to put together a quality offensive tackle room. I think, uh, I, I, like, we've seen this team help usher the transition from right tackle to left tackle before smoothly and the Chiefs have arguably the most talent that they've had in the left tackle position spot since Andy Reid's got here. I mean, uh, Juan Taylor is uber talented. He's a very talented football player. Arrow's pointing up. I'm extremely excited to see him. Right tackles, obviously there's a lot of question marks, but there are early, you know, there's an early draft pick in Lucas Niang who by the way the Chiefs trusted enough to put on the field in the Super Bowl in the red zone on third down. They that did. tells you something they were willing to burn Andrew Wiley on a tackle eligible play maybe they thought it was going to work I don't but they they had to go to Lucas Diang and Lucas Diang played a snap in a very 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 meaningful moment in the Super Bowl for this football team that should tell you something um I think that's a very important caveat to add but um I, I don't I'm just not ready to make any sweeping declarations about this group beyond just just a Whataburger status
3: Can I ask a follow-up then to you guys before we move on here? Okay, Jawan Taylor plays left tackle at the same level he played right tackle for the Jaguars. Does that change your ranking? Because then now all of a sudden you're getting three, we've all agreed the interior three is elite, and Mm -hmm. Jawan Taylor by himself just isolated at tackle last year was at least, was what, a flea market burger, right? He's above average? Yeah. So if he plays that same way at left tackle, do you guys automatically bump up to... I mean, a pretty solid, I have like, what is the, has what's stopping you from saying this offensive line is better than average in the NFL right now?
4: Well, first of all, Lucas Niang hasn't been able to stay on the field yet. Not yet. And that, and that could change. That, that absolutely could change. Uh, Prince Tegan has bounced around for a couple of teams right now and has struggled to get on the field because of health and availability. And Darian Kennard got moved to guard last year, and it wasn't because he had a long line of guys in front of him at right tackle. One of those three guys would need to make an improvement because I don't think that you can even lampoon the three of them into that position. Yes, they're certainly going to add a guy, which we can get to here in a little bit, but on its face right now, I don't trust any of those three to be the right tackle for an entire year. I just don't. I, I think that there's too many question marks, and because That is kind of an empty spot right now. Even if Juwan Taylor plays really well, I would struggle to bump it up into that above average position just because, even if you called that out, just because there's enough question marks at right tackle right now.
3: So I'm going to have another follow-up for Kent to answer this half of it here. How many offensive lines in the league do we think have zero questions across all five spots of the offensive line to say a team that has four-plus starters could be so bad at only one position that that drops them to below average? I don't think there's a single team in the NFL that has Just five good offensive We're line. not talking about the whole offensive line, to be fair. We're not. Just no, one's arguing tackle. no one's arguing the whole offensive line, Matthew. Oh, but that's what we were giving a burger ranking here. You said you said offensive tackles. Uh, okay, you're right. You're fair. Okay, we're fair.
4: This is right. going— I see this the is... disconnect all of a sudden because I was I like,
3: thought... wow, I'm a little— I thought, I'm I thought we
2: were going all offensive line here. <laughs> this I is the we most— Offensive line. This is the most batty game of all
3: time. It's not a game. I thought we were doing offensive line. I okay. scheduled it out for offensive line. We're doing only offensive tackle. Understood. Got the burgers crossed. Okay. How disappointed well, would you be if you were going to the flea market and ended up in a Whataburger though? Buddy. Yeah. Buddy. Yeah, you, uh, you I, have I, to demo- get don't be, bring, you gotta be coping right now, bud. If you don't
2: bring cash to the flea market, well, then you have <laughs> to go to Whataburger. Oh.
3: <laughs> yeah, okay. You. I'm I'm officially lowering my grade to a Whataburger because I really was on the under of the impression that we were going uh uh offensive line here. Uh, this is also my fault because I knew I even wrote offensive tackle. Uh, I'm taking the
4: blame. For this I'm, one. I'm looking at the text I, right now,
3: Maddie. I I will take blame for this. Um, this is all on me. I am taking I am taking responsibility. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw my teammates under the bus on this one. I'm not gonna Kyler Murray this. Um, I'm i this is my fault. Um, we we can just move on to the plan. I think how to address the offensive tackle only position going forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we probably should.
2: But uh, why don't we take a quick break and recover?
1: You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button, please, for the grace of God. Uh, so short. Officially, uh, we're, we're going to get back to the offensive tackle position. So we're sitting here looking at the tackle position. Obviously, left tackle is taken care of.
3: Not offensive line.
2: Not offensive Thank line. you, man. Uh Maybe we already did. It sounds like we already did it. Spoilers. Um, so when it comes to the right tackle competition, how much competition do we think the Lucas Niang? Uh, Darian Kennard pairing potentially needs. Um, do we think that? I mean, is this a top 100 pick, if if it if at all? Like what? Like what? Where's your line here? Let's 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 just say. Where's your
3: line personally, Matthew, at tackle line for what? What am I drawing a line on here? Like so? Okay, give I'm just gonna unload this. I think the moment the Chiefs signed Jawan Taylor, it immediately became left tackle, left tackle, left tackle. That tells me that tells me right there less about Jawan Taylor and it does that. The Chiefs have an option that they are at minimum okay with at right tackle. They and that and that's an option can't be a potential draft pick. So somebody on the roster they are at minimum okay with, or I don't think it would be Jawan Taylor as a left tackle, left tackle, left tackle. It would be offensive tackle. We'll see where he goes. They immediately shoved him to the left side. That lets me know if they think that there is something they can already do on the roster at the right side. Not saying they won't look for an improvement. But I think right now, if they had to go play a game today, they feel okay with what they have at the right tackle because that's their goal. That's their plan. That's what they want to do going into every draft. I think that's Lucas Niang. He clearly was getting the second team reps going into the Super Bowl, hence why he was the one that was on the field. Hence why he was the one that got to play when Andrew Wiley was out. I think they feel okay with Lucas Niang going out there with the starters if they had to play a game right now. And that's the reason that Jawan Taylor was left tackle, left tackle, left tackle. Never even contemplated right tackle. I mean, I, w-
4: I would agree. I would agree. I think that they're very comfortable with those two going out there on the field, taking snaps at left tackle and right tackle, and not feeling like they have to spend around one pick or, a, you know, trade up or make a big move to try and fill that position. I think that there's something to be said for a guy like Darnell Wright having his second official visit with the Kansas City Chiefs offensive tackle out of Tennessee that played both left tackle and right tackle.
2: We believe he has been on a top 30 visit. There there are context clues to believe that Darnell Wright is not just in the Kansas City airport because he heard
4: it's awesome. That's true. Yes, I should not make big assumptions as to the fact that he's here for a top 30 visit. Although... Why else would he be here? So uh, Darnell Wright, who may or may not be visiting with the Kansas City Chiefs, has that left tackle, right tackle flexibility. More comfortable at right tackle. Did play some left tackle at Tennessee. Has played exactly the amount of left tackle in the NFL as Jawan Taylor. You can line those two guys up and see who fits best with you. Like make that an open competition between those two guys with Lucas Niang as a swing tackle, Darian Kennard and Prince Tiguanogo as depth, now I'm comfortable. I'm super comfortable with it, and I think the Chiefs would be as well. But that floor is there, like Maddie said. Knowing that you can go into the season, you have spent enough time with Lucas Niang to say, hey, we trust that he can line up and he can play over there. As long as he's healthy, we are comfortable with his level of play out there. And to be honest, what we've seen out of him has been fine. You know, it hasn't been a leap, but it has been more than fine. So if he can stay healthy, that's the big question there, then yeah, maybe the Chiefs do sit there and say, hey, we're going to be comfortable, we're going to be able to do what we can do with him as the right tackle. We don't have to force anything else, but it does keep the board open for competition. So I go back and forth on this a lot because
2: investing in right tackle early turns... Like I I I think Orlando Brown, Jawan Taylor is a wash. I think it's going to become and be proven to be a wash at best or at worst. I'm sorry. I genuinely think Jawan Taylor has ceiling to be a much better tackle, a better fit for this football team. I believe that this move will will pan out wonderfully for them. Andrew Wiley was up and down last year. There were some real rough moments. He finished strong, played well in the Super Bowl, got a little bit of money. A, a Darnell Wright turns a strength into a bigger strength, potentially in a big way. Um, but the question is: is 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 it best to allocate those resources elsewhere to try to fix other problems on this roster and deal with the fact that you're probably getting, you know, four four offensive line pieces taken care of, and now you're just kind of you know trying to figure things out. And, and hope Lucas C Yang holds up. Okay, maybe you throw a Prince Tigo Winogo out there. You're throwing numbers at it. Are you content with the numbers that you've thrown at it? Or are you just going to say, you know what? We're going to draft uh, Darnell Rye early. We're going to um, probably move on from Joe Tooney next year. So now we're going to have four of the five locked up for this year. And then, you know, you're probably going to move on from one of a Creed Humphrey or, uh, you know, or, or a Trey Smith. Um I, that's that's that these are the things that are going through my head about where to value the the right tackle position
3: mm-hmm. Well, this takes me back to uh, talking about the entire offensive line, but still focusing on the tackles, um because that's what I do around these parts. Uh, you've got investment into four offensive line positions. There's no I don't think there's a reason to make sure that you have a heavy investment into the fifth and So I don't know if you go into this draft thinking you have to get another high investment, a high draft pick, spend money, whatever it may be on a right tackle. Very few times are teams going to spend that level of capital, whether it's monetary or on the draft, on all five offensive line positions. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. It's just not something that every team does. Not every team thinks you have to do that. So the Chiefs have spent heavily on their left tackle. Now's kind of the time that I think they need to try to get by with a lower spending on the right tackle. Now, you can get cash savings by drafting a good right tackle. Don't get me wrong. That's where cash savings come from. But when you look through this roster, there's still other holes that could use a round one, a round two draft pick. Is this roster currently the way it is with four quality offensive linemen that you've invested in? Is that really the spot where you want to spend that round one pick or that round two pick right now? I get it. Protect Patrick Mahomes. Save him from getting hit. Guess what? He's made pretty average offensive tackles look pretty decent his entire career. Mike Rimmers made it a good chunk of his life at right tackle or a good chunk of a season at right tackle and looked fine. Andrew Wiley was a guard. His first year starting was a guard in place of Lucas Yang when he got hurt, was a guard who kicked out to right tackle. And guess what? He looked fine. He looked so fine that he started the following year and went on to get paid by Washington. And now they might still move him back inside. Like, Mahomes can make offensive linemen look better than they actually are, too. It's not just wide receivers or tight ends he can make better. So is it really the best spending of assets to go ahead and put more into one position group of the entire 53-man roster? I, I don't know the answer. It's just that's—I'm with Kent there, and that's where my head goes. I And I don't disagree
4: with that line of thinking. I think that that's smart, and, you know, I, I think that you've given yourself a high enough floor— and as we talked about all last season and you know kind of moving on from Orlando Brown Jr. if you feel comfortable not having to help both tackles well hey great you know you could focus your attention towards one we we've seen them be able to handle it with both guys but especially when they've just had to focus on the one side it's been pretty strong they they haven't had to worry about it as much my my only counterpoint to that would be Joe Tooney you can easily get out of his contract next year. And he's getting older. Joe Tooney is very important to this team. And if they decide to keep him for the life of that contract, by all means, do it. Because he's not going to be the highest interior offensive lineman. I mean, he's already not, but he's going to look, that's going to dwindle pretty quick here, especially after Creed Humphrey gets paid as well. But you can move on from him, save about $10 million against the cap next year, and kind of make your offensive line to where you're not paying As many guys. So maybe you do take a little bit of investment. You play the board the way that you want to. Even if it is a round one guy, you are moving on from a big cap hit, you know, that next year. And you can kind of absorb some of that a little bit. You still only have four guys that you're really concentrating on. And the Chiefs can improve the right tackle position potentially still without going round one, too.
2: Like if you told me the Chiefs drafted Wanya Morris out of Oklahoma, I. I think he's right there. If, he, if he's ni- pick ninety five, there is a chance that Wanya Morris beats out Lucas Niang. Like we can still have this conversation, and the Chiefs can still catch somebody that can contribute potentially and beat out, uh, you know, a, 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 a Lucas Niang, too. Like that's that's in the range of outcomes too. Like, are, like there's there's some decent right app ab- right tackle options in day two, Matthew.
3: Uh, there's some. It's not a strong tackle class. I think Wanya Morris is definitely one of them. Uh, a guy that I'm higher on than I think a lot of other people for that same range is Nick saldaveri out of uh, Old yes. Dominion. Down-
2: he- yeah, he makes a lot of sense. I really like- he's he's like the he's the dream tackle kicks in the guard if it doesn't work out.
3: Right. Worst case worst case yeah. scenario, he's the guy that takes over for Joe Tooney playing guard because he can't quite cut it at tackle, and he's got athleticism. Like he, just his style of play fits with the Chiefs like for their tackle to guard converts like. I love the versatility, but I think there's a chance that he can go out there and play tackle. He's got not exactly Andy Reid, Andy Heck arm length. I think they fall into like 33 and a half or 33 and three quarter inches, but that's good enough for the NFL. Andy Reid's dipped his toe into the 30, you know, that realm. As long as you're over 33 inches in your arm length, there's a chance. So him, Wanya Morris, I think Blake Freeland belongs in this range. I think somebody might overdraft him for his athleticism, but boy, he cannot pass protect to save his life.
2: (laughs) Blake Freeland... Feels like the most Chiefs pick ever because of the BYU connection, the athleticism. I,
4: I would not be remotely short for. arms though. I short arms, under thirty-four inch arms, despite being six-eight. I mean that. Yeah, it, it, it does matter slightly for, him, for Andy, and although he maybe not.
3: can't right protect his inside shoulder at all, which is like the most important thing for Andy Heck. Now, that's something you can coach, don't get me wrong. He's got the athleticism to slow play it, protect his inside shoulder, then get wide, but he's terrible in pass protection right now. So like, I I don't love him. The only other name I'd say kind of in this round three, four range that intrigues me is Carter Warren out of uh, Pittsburgh. I think he's a if you wanted to tell me there's a guy to come in and compete for a starting job day one, but maybe has a limited upside, Carter Warren's kind of the guy I go to. He's just technically sound. I don't know if you're ever going to get this Pro Bowl level tackle, even if everything hits just right, but he might be able to come in and compete. It would be a very not- another Darian Kennard-like signing, and we can't let the outcome of that one player and his path affect this. But like he's a guy that I just think could come in, played a lot of football, could slide in and compete early. So like I do think there are late day two, early day three options to compete at right tackle. How
4: far? Do we think that Dewan Jones, Ohio State tackle, reasonably falls in this draft? Because when you look at some of the, you know, comps and the way that he's built and everything like that, he is a right tackle only. Like you're you're not going to plop him in at left tackle and say, okay, go protect the blind side over here. Doesn't have great athleticism. He, he shuffles fine, but not gonna have great athleticism. A lot of the comps that we're seeing just because he is a massive mountain of a human being. Trent Brown, Orlando Brown Jr., guys that the NFL has not exactly treated the kind of way that you would expect elite tackles to be treated. Do we think that this man falls to the middle of the second round? Do we think that he's a potential round two trade-up for the Chiefs? Like, dude, At what point are you comfortable with drafting a player like that, because Andy's going to love the size. He's going to love the size, the length. He's going to love plopping that man over at right tackle and say, okay, we're great. We're we're great over there. But I don't know if it's going to be a round one sort of deal for him, because I think the rest of the NFL is going to view him with a lens that we're kind of seeing them view guys like this a little too often lately.
2: I mean, I, I could see it. I mean, like, I you, you have to be pretty aggressive with your trade-up. You'd have to, you know, feel good about, the roster composition after pick thirty-one, too, you know. So that means you know that yeah, maybe it's the receiver. You, you you get receiver locked up at thirty-one. One of the receivers fell to you. You feel good there. You're watching the board. You're seeing that you know the right tackles only kind of you know still on the board. You know, I I don't know if he's he's out of striking distance for them to go and aggressively move up. And if you're telling me that the Chiefs, you know, after two days of the draft ended with. You know, a receiver and 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 Dewan Jones.
3: I'd i feel good. I'd feel real good about it. Um I think there's a chance he slides farther than you have to trade up to get him. Uh he didn't work out uh at his pro day, and I I think he has to go back to the combine for medical rechecks, and that probably becomes scary when you're dealing with a guy that's three hundred and seventy-five pounds. Uh we spend a lot of time talking about how for the Chiefs, specifically going to Dewan Jones the Chiefs. We talked a lot about how Orlando Brown Jr. just wasn't a great fit because of his size. Dewan Jones is like 30 pounds heavier than Orlando right. Brown Jr. You ever seen him try to change directions? It's rough. Like he moves really well for a 380 pound guy, but it that still is not moving well. So I don't know. I think he's a really bad fit actually for the Chiefs scheme. I think he can't change directions very well. I He can't really protect his inside shoulder because he has to put so much effort. He's explosive. So he can explode out of his stance, but the moment that he has to change directions and cover his inside shoulder, it's sluggish, it's slow, or when, he ha- when somebody hits him with a stutter step, it takes him a long time to get going again. I think there's some significant issues with just his size trying to play in the NFL that pl- blocking for Patrick Mahomes is going to be a nightmare for him. The amount of times you got to start, stop, and be a reactive athlete is not Dewan Jones' strength. So you want to tell me the Titans draft him early in round two and it makes sense? Yeah, I agree. You want to tell me the Chiefs pass on him at the end of round two, which is not a great scheme fit? I also would find myself agreeing. So I don't know where his draft range goes. I think he's going to be a lot more scheme dependent than people think right now. And I'm slightly worried about a medical recheck for a guy not working out of his pro day that comes with that size.
2: Right. Dewan Jones, you are a Baltimore Raven. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this.
1: A sports network for today's fan KC Sports Network. Podcast, YouTube, social media, live shows, KCSN.
2: One of the biggest topics in the town is how the Chiefs nailed the cornerback position in a big way last draft. Three rookies playing significant snaps at the cornerback position, uh, on top of a luxurious need. So much to the to the point where the Chiefs traded away Rashad Fenton. Uh, a Steve Spagnuolo staple who had played a lot of snaps the year prior in the middle of the season, they were ready to roll with the youngsters and they paid out handsomely. Interesting question though, Matthew Uh, in our beautiful cheeseburger scale, what is the state of the cornerback position?
4: Okay. Um, So not the whole secondary, just the cornerback position. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. yeah. By the way, Slot corner counts too. You don't have to segregate okay. that out. You can, you
3: can, okay, re- okay. <clears throat> I want I want to be clear. All right. So for me, I'm going to say they're not quite town topic. They're not quite elite because I think there's still a little meat on the bone left for these outside corners. These young rookies, Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, I think still need to make that next step before I'm ready to give the unit as a whole, the elite tag. I like what Trip McDuffie showed. I think he's well on his way to a nice, good Town Topic cheeseburger right now. Legereus Sneed, I think he's on his way to a Town Topic cheeseburger right now. I'm just not sure if the rest of the guys are there. I think this is the highest. This is like the best, the perfectly cooked, the absolute best. All the condiments, everything is fresh. You didn't wait at all. You had the cash with you. Westport Flea Market Burger position group right now. They are on the fringe of heading over to Town Topic because they need something just a little bit better. I mean, yeah,
4: that's pretty much it. There's lots of questions about the about the sophomore efforts of a lot of these guys. I mean, they did fall to day three for a reason. Brett Veach doing a good job of scouting these guys, finding the sweet spots in the draft. We all really love Jalen Watson. We love Joshua Williams. Obviously, our high in LeJarrius Sneed and Trent McDuffie, but there are question marks. They, they still have to show up and play in the sophomore year now that teams have a little more tape on them. They, we've seen guys in the past, especially even with Steve Spagnuolo corners, we've seen guys that where all of a sudden it's like, okay, when that guy's on the field, we know what sorts of routes we can throw at him to try and get the matchups we want and try and target them. How do they respond in that moment? How do they rebound in that moment? They can still hold up against those types of things. This elevates to a town top. It easily does. And I do think that this is a very, very, very solid Westport flea market burger with this group because... It is just so good, and it's, and it's also on top of this, much like the Westport Flea Market Burgers, cheap by comparison. Like, you're not <laughs> spending a ton of money, and you're getting great quality on it. I mean, this is like literally the perfect comparison for that burger because it's so good right now, and you're not investing so much in it to where you feel like, well, yeah, that was really good, but I had to pay a small fortune for it. It just really is perfect. There were times during the
2: Royals' run in 2015, 16 when, or 14, 15 when Westport Flea Market was offering their burger for the same price that they offered it in 1985. That's what this cornerback group is right now. They are paying absolutely nothing for this cornerback group, but getting a high quality product out of them. In the KCSN draft guide last year, Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson were both third round grades for us trent mcduffie was a top 20 player for us we were very big fans of it you should check out who we think we're big fans of in the kcsn draft guide which is releasing next wednesday it's april 5th is when it releases if you pre-order you're going to get uh three free months of the casey uh sn substack to go with your guide which releases on april 5th it's a very good deal it's uh 12.99 the link is in the description of this show whether you're listening, whether you're watching, it's in the description of this show right now. So pre-order that. Make sure you take advantage of that. Um, but I, I would agree. I think it's a Westport flea market. My question, in we in Kansas City, we don't know much about cornerback play, okay? Because we've had to deal with we've had to deal with you know scraping the barrel to fix the position. I'm part of me wonders if if we are just because this group's so young, are we devaluing what they've done to this point a little bit? Should they be a town topic secondary in, in at the quarterback position for quality, you know, for players that can start, you know, you've got you, inside, outside flexibility. You've got a blue chip player. You've got near a blue chip player. One of the best blitzers in in this, you know, from the, from the corner position, like, Maybe we are a little too low on them. Maybe we should be considering a town topic. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think if we're stacking up like you know we're talking about right tackle, left tackle, all this stuff. And there's some concerns that you know one of the tackle positions or like, what's stopping us from them becoming a town topic? Is it just the sample size, or are we just undervaluing? Are we
3: overvaluing the rest of the league's
2: cornerback situation?
3: I It's partially sample size, but I also think you have to go back. The Chiefs protected their corners a lot last year, right? And, like, we can all go pick out games and moments in which Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams were, were picked on pretty bad. I mean, you can make an argument that it was a big reason they lost maybe the Bills game, you know, and stuff. Like, you can point to specific situations where they looked and played like rookie corners, right? Like, That very much was happening. That's what's stopping me from saying right now that they are a town topic burger, what we're putting here is the elite, because that's what Andy Reid says is the best cheeseburger in Kansas City. That's the only thing, is I want to see them go out there, and I want to see them put Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams in bad spots. I want to see you go go man-to-man on A.J. Brown on a slant and stop him, because they weren't stopping him man-to-man one-on-one in the Super Bowl. That's not a fair thing to expect every corner to do that but I just want to have the confidence that they do that before I go out there and say they're elite at this point in time. So it's partially sample size. It's partially the Chiefs defensive scheme, I think, protected them. We talked about it a lot last year. They played a lot of spot drop, and they did that because there's a lot of new pieces, but also because there's rookie corners that aren't always played. A backup tight end as Jalen Watson, who I thought played great, but like that's just stuff that happened. It's one play. I don't want to make too much of it, but like there's little bits and pieces that I think are enough give me enough hesitation to say, let me see year two before I put them in elite. And I, I see exactly what you're saying, Kent,
4: especially since the rest of the league is also kind of shifting to protecting their corners a little bit more too. Like it, it's hard to play corner in the NFL right now. So playing, you know, split safety looks trying to be a little bit more spot drop on occasion, trying to take a little more off the plate of these guys to try and protect them a little bit more. Makes sense. It's, it's a logical thing that Steve Spagnuolo did. However, I don't know that you look at this group and you say, okay, they got to line up and they got to play man. I know they got a guy that they can count on to line up and play man against and not even like elite wide receivers, because I'm you're never playing a man against Tyree Kill without help. But let's say, you know, like the the lower end wide receiver one guys, you don't want a guy on this roster isolated in man coverage right now against that. And I think that's the next step that you want to see before you elevate it into the next kind of echelon there because you are limited in the fact that you can't play a ton of man coverage, which means that you're not going to be able to blitz some of the ways that you would like to be able to blitz guys like that. You are more locked into zone coverages, which is fine because Steve Stag- Spagnuolo has an entire bag full of them that he can rely on. That's not a bad thing by any means, but the flexibility and ability to be completely versatile, line up, be truly amoebic on the back end and keep the offense guessing with your coverages all season long is going to be difficult with this group. And they didn't even try it last year. Like towards the end of the year, they slowly kind of turned the dial a little bit until you started seeing some more of those coverages. And then, you know, it didn't go any further than that. And that's fine. It got the job done. Obviously, I would expect something similar again this year, but it's going to be limited by the personnel there and that's why I can't elevate it into that upper echelon yet
2: it is a great problem to have right now that we are debating where on the Andy Reid cheeseburger scale that a quarterback room that has three of their players with three years of club control left at minimum for uh Trent McDuffie I just what a what a spot to be in but I'm greedy I'm a little greedy and I look at this draft class, and you hear Mel Kuyper saying, I believe in the last, today or recently, that, I mean, he thinks there's 40 corners that can make a roster slash play, contribute. There's a lot of corners in this class. I think, I mean, like I, I'll just ask the question, what's the earliest you feel good with the Chiefs investing one of their 10 draft picks in the cornerback position, Matty? Uh <sighs>
3: If it's 10, I mean there's you know, there's always a chance, right? Like I look through this cornerback room, like what 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 are you quite literally trying to beat out though, right? Like what is the corner that you're trying to beat you're trying to get a better backup third string slot option, splash slash special teamer in the Z? Like that's what that's what you want to replace at this point in time. If that's what you're going for, just wait till un you know, unrestricted or wait till after the draft, sign some guys in free agency maybe there's a good value on day 3 somebody that falls that fits their system that can play special teams and does all this stuff but like the improvement over Nazee Johnson is such a minimal impact that I just don't know if you're going into the draft thinking that's what you need cuz four of these corners are young five of these corners are young i didn't really put lageria steed back in this bucket mm-hmm. the entire room is young the only person you're remotely considering not being around for the next 3 years is lageria steed and that's only because you don't want to pay him that's the only guy, and even still, you have three young guys sitting there waiting, so I just don't know if there's a need. I would not be surprised at all to see them not draft a corner in this class, and so maybe you see a guy, like I said, come in on day three because of a good value, but I think they can easily go 10 picks without addressing corner. Draft a corner in this class. <laughs> I, will, I will pound the table for it. It's so
4: good that we're to the point that dudes that you're picking up maybe in round four, when you re-rack your board and you're standing there and you're looking at it, you're probably going to have a corner near the top of it because it is that good of a group. And there are some athletes on here. You read the KC Draft Guide coming out next Wednesday, you will see the cornerback athletic piece that I am writing for the KC Draft Guide. It is a very predictive measure of how cornerbacks will translate in the NFL. It once again was predictive last year. It looks like there's going to be a strong group of them this year as well. However, I separate them out into Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3, and Tier 4. Usually every draft class has, you know, six, seven guys that are kind of floating around that tier floor ranking and stuff like that. This class right now coming out of the combine has zero Zero Tier 4 athletes. This is an incredibly athletic class. It is an incredibly technically sound class.
3: It, Eli Ricks has to be close to a Tier 4. <laughs> okay. Eli Ricks is close. Eli Ricks, <laughs> Eli Ricks close to is four. Four. really bad. He, he, to, he, he is good. close. But uh,
4: actually, he's actually a Tier 2. But, um, yeah, I, I, we, we'll get into that after this. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys like that that I think that you can take a swing on. In day three of the draft, draft a super athlete, gamble on the upside, and then if that means that DiCaprio Boodle now all of a sudden isn't part of your roster, you've got another guy to play special teams that you can kind of replace that and kind of round out the bottom of the roster. I agree with Matty. The, the, the logic is sound. You're not trying to replace one of these guys at the top, but give yourself another swing on a guy that might translate to. A guy that could play in this league, play on the outside, play on the boundary, play in the slot, wherever you feel comfortable with him. There's enough good corners in this class that I think that I would gladly gamble on a guy in day three.
2: There's 37 cornerbacks drafted last year. Cornerback 37 for us currently is Nehemiah Shelton. Hey, if, thanks. Okay, <laughs> Nick Jones, somewhere in that range. If he's picked 250, how are you? Are you are you okay
3: with that? Like, I said, I'm fine with it. No, no, I said I'm fine with it on day three. And I said, if you want to sit there on day three and look for a value, go ahead and there probably will be value to Craig's point. I just don't think you go into the draft with an idea of, oh, we should definitely draft a corner here. Cause I just, I don't think you should be trying to seek out a corner. You just let the board fall to you. And if you're sitting there, you get to round six and there is, I don't know, um, Uh, Keith Cheryl Clark, even though he's a slot only guy sitting there waiting for you. If there's an Eric Scott, you know, like there's just guys out there. Alex Austin, if you just want a pure outside corner, Corey Trice. Like there's plenty of names we can list off here that if they're just sitting there in round six and you're like, oh, this guy's better than the third tight end than the draft that I would like, or this guy's better than this, like 280 pound rotational nose tackle. Sure, take them. It's just, I don't think you need to plan on taking one. I wouldn't be upset if they didn't get a corner is all I was kind of going to.
2: I, I just tend to agree. I think the value will be there. And I think the Chiefs did smart things in day three of the draft where they, I mean, it felt like they just took a ton of value as it felt to them. Like we all geeked out about Darian Kennard when, you know, we kind of perceived him as a, as a value. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they just, they continued to stack up at cornerback too. They weren't afraid, you know, Hey, yeah, we just drafted a court. It doesn't matter. We're still like, that's how they, that's how we got into the situation this year anyway. Is the Chiefs weren't afraid to continue to invest, even though they just traded up for a cornerback in the first round? They just kept letting value fall. I think value will fall to them at the cornerback position. I think I I like the idea of grabbing someone in day three of this draft because uh, I think and I think I I do agree with Maddie. I think I I'm just guesstimating. I think round six the sweet spot where just one comes uncovered for them, either at the top or the end of the sixth round, and they just feel great about grabbing. So that's that's what I look at. Free agency. Do we think? Do we think that there's, you know, like, do they try to, like, to to your point, hey, like, that's just adding more youth to this group. Do you think that there's any thought about maybe trying to just add a vet minimum deal type cornerback just to add some more experience to the room, or, or, I mean, I, I have my thoughts, but I'll I'll let you go. What do you think?
3: I think if this is kind of a cheating answer because I'm going to go to the secondary as a whole. But I think Craig brought up DiCaprio Boodle. And if I think the Chiefs are adding somebody, it should be somebody that can do this bridged role of a safety slash nickel corner. I think that's where you will get the most value. So, like, that's what I would be looking for. I don't see any reason to go to the vet market for that. To your guys' point, there will be value at guys that can probably do that in this draft. If they wanted to go sign somebody in that role if they're like oh we don't love Mike Edwards and Justin Reed and Brian Cooks ability and man coverage what if we have one more guy they can maybe step down from safety and play in the slot that's that would be where i could see them making a veteran addition i just i would be kind of surprised outside of that i mean they they've got some
4: dudes on one year deals that i could see them bringing in to see if they kind of raise the roster a little bit like there's Byron Jones is out there William Jackson's out there. Marcus Peters is out there. You know, e- Eli Apple's out there. I don't think he's coming to Kansas City, Kyle. No. I mean, but but there's a bunch of guys that are floating around that, that like 30 range where you, you'd be bringing them in as a one-year deal, just kind of seeing if the juice is worth the squeeze, seeing if they got a little more life left in them. And then in that case, Maybe you don't have to rely on your two day three picks from last year to kind of shoulder the load a little bit more. I don't love that. I think that that's a progress stopper. I would rather trial by fire with Joshua Williams and newly adorned number two Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson. But I, I, I could see them maybe taking a gamble just because there's enough guys out there that are kind of floating around that probably still have a few snaps left on their legs that could offer something to this team. Adorned
2: is the Craig Stout Bigger word of the day. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you, and we'll catch you later.
1: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current